Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Welcome back to the Growth Island Podcast. Today, I got the pleasure of a very special woman that knows a lot about how do you stay happy at your work and in your personal life, and how can it also sometimes be hard just to take the science of happiness, but actually apply it? How can we use the stuff that's been working for centuries that we are now starting to have science or Western science proof actually work in our life? She's been at the forefront of this positive psychology movement, was one of the first students at Martin Seligman. Uh, who's kind of the father of positive psychology. She's been working with over a thousand individuals in many different countries. She's been working with some of the top organizations around the world. So I'm really excited to have uh, Stella Kisot with me today. Stella, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So you got into positive psychology as one of the first when no one really knew what it was or very few people have heard about it at least. Yeah, I stumbled into it. I always feel like, you know, life is guiding you. And I remember I was feeling burnt out and so stressed, not knowing what to do with my life, feeling like I was stuck in my career. And I, my, my friend forwarded me an article about, it's called The Law of the Garbage Truck. You guys should all read it. It's a book by now my friend and colleague. But I saw, I read this article and it was so brilliant. And it was all about how, you know, people are like garbage trucks and they're just looking for a place to dump. And I felt like I was being dumped on <laughs> so much. Everyone was unhappy and I was trying to solve everyone's problems and I was feeling so overwhelmed. And anyway, I loved this article and it changed my perspective. And then I wanted to read about it and I saw that the author had attended the University of Pennsylvania and got a degree in positive psychology. And I just thought, oh, my God, positive psychology. That sounds so interesting. What is that? And oftentimes people will ask me positive psychology as opposed to negative psychology. And I tell them, no, but kind of. So if we think about traditional psychology, it's like a deficit model and it's been very useful. It's helped us diagnose mental illness, right? So it's all about, you know, what's wrong with people and how do we get them back to normal? How do we get someone from negative five to zero? Positive psychology uses the same empirical approach, same scientific approach, but it asks a different question. How do we get people from zero to plus five? How do we help people flourish? How do we help people thrive? And I loved that. And so I was very honored and excited to, you know, be the fifth class and met wonderful people and have been helping folks, you know, hopefully get to plus five around the world uh, since. That's fantastic. And the fantastic thing about that we actually take the science, we test what works, works for the majority of people. So it's not just guesswork about like, I think this might work for you. We actually know that it worked for the majority of people, the stuff from positive psychology. So it comes from that we're actually testing stuff. Of course, it doesn't work. Like as we know with all studies, it works for the majority of people. You might be an outlier, but then 
you can test something else. But I love that you actually can find a place where what has been tested that works for the majority of people and start there. So like, you know where to start on your journey. Yes, exactly. It's all, it's all evidence-based and it's, I think a lot of positive psychology confirms what we intuitively know, right? That it's important to, let's say, count your blessings and be appreciative. We know that. We've known that. But now it's nice to have the science. I mean, I think one thing that we've known in our hearts but have tried but have unlearned through our society, especially in America, is there's this notion that I have to work so hard and after I work hard and achieve everything, then I'll be happy. And what we know from the research is that actually being happy, having high well-being enables you to perform and achieve even more. And so, so a lot of the systems we've grown up in have kind of have kind of gone against i think what intuitively we as human beings know which is being joyful or experiencing uh peace or taking care of ourselves is important <laughs> and and instead especially in america it's like work 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 and and so yes, I'm very happy that the research now validates what we know in our bones. It's fantastic. You can kind of say a lot of ancestral wisdom that we're starting to show with science is working now, like being grateful, taking time to pray or like meditation. Fasting yes. is now like the hottest thing on longevity research. So, so many things that were like coming from ancestral wisdom that we've been doing for centuries are now Western science catching up with actually proving like, hey, this is really good for you. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So it helps us to see like a starting point. But I know that you look a lot into workplaces these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so, I, again, I don't, I know in, in America where there's this term that is, is being talked about a lot. It's called the great resignation. We have a lot of people in the United States and just April, over 4 million people have quit their jobs without necessarily finding another job. And the thing is that of course, COVID has instigated a lot of this, but even before COVID, employees were checked out, employees were burnt out. So we had 70% of employees disengaged. We had, you know, 67% of employees feeling burnt out some or all of the time. And now that number, of course, has gone up to 76%. But this has been a problem. And mm -hmm. COVID is just, I think, finally kind of pushing people over the edge. And so what I just want to kind of have a... I, I just want to encourage people to, before they, you know, before they quit, which a lot of people come to me when they feel like they're on the verge of quitting. They're like, get me out of here. I don't know what I want. I'm miserable. I'm exhausted. But what often happens, you know, what I remind people is that no matter where you work, there you are. Right. And so 
the issues that you're experiencing now, whether it's feeling like you're not being heard or you're not being recognized, you're not being paid fairly, or you're not being challenged in a way that's exciting to you. All of those issues can just follow you no matter where you go. And so, especially if you're on the verge of quitting, I invite people to see this situation as like, as a playground where you get to play or experiment with asking for things or behaving in a way that may be out of your comfort zone, but to really try to see if I can establish what I need here one more time before I go, right? So if you have been avoiding a conversation with your boss, could you work up the courage to finally ask for what it is that you need, right? If you have trouble setting boundaries and you're always saying yes to everything, maybe experiment with what it's like to say no. So if you're already at this edge, right, why not see this as like, well, maybe this is my chance to practice developing these new skills that I know I need to do. Because if you go to start at a new job and you know, you felt like everyone was walking all over you, or you felt like they were emailing you at all hours of the night. That means maybe I need to, to practice some boundaries. So can you apply that? You know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do that in your next job anyway. So before you go, I always tell people, Hey, here's a chance for you to experiment and practice building some new skills. By the way, I just want to say, I, I just want to say, I feel like I'm not being totally articulate. I have a four month old and I'm not sleeping very well. <laughs> so I feel like normally this stuff comes out of my mouth a little bit better. So pardon me if I'm not as articulate as maybe elsewhere. It makes perfect sense to Okay, um, good. good. And, I, and I see the point, like, if you already checked out as you're saying, like now is the time to to see and also learn that skill because just like with relationships as well, often you carry your problems from one place to another place and hope that the next place will solve it, right? I, th I would imagine one of the concerns would be like, but I'm afraid of getting fired. That'll look bad on my resume instead of me just quitting myself. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that you know, obviously depends on the situation. If you're afraid of getting fired, then maybe there's some like real performance issues that are happening. So that's like a little bit of a different story. But if you are, if you are, if your performance isn't being questioned at that kind of level, but more like you're fed up or you're having relationship issues, or maybe you're just not enjoying the nature of what it is that you're doing. I think that there's opportunities for you to practice, to, to reflect. Like oftentimes we're very clear on what we don't want, right? So we're like looking at our jobs and like, I don't want this commute or I don't want to go back into the office or I don't want to work for this person. But we're not always clear on what we do want, right? That's the hard part. And so this is, you know, I always tell people like, escaping something bad is not the same thing as moving towards something good, right? And so we want to make sure that you're really clear on what it is that you really want. Mm. And I tell people, when you define success for yourself, it's not just about identifying a sexy title or how much money you want to earn. 
or even what you want to achieve. Defining success, at least the way I look at it, and I support my clients in doing this, is about establishing how is it that you want to feel and be? What is it like when you're your most activated, engaged self? And being really clear on that state of being. And so I encourage my clients when we think about their vision is to really start to identify what are the sensations I want to be experiencing throughout the day. For example, I want to feel creative. I want to feel collaborative. I want to feel a sense of spaciousness in my day. Like I'm not constantly up against the wall. I want to feel flexibility. I want to feel financially secure. Whatever those sensations are, that's what you want to establish first. And then you pick your goals to support those things. So it's really flipping the order the way we traditionally look at success is, you know, I want these things. And so I go and I achieve them, but you're not always feeling happy once you achieve them, right? You can feel empty. Is this all there is? So on and so forth. So you just got to flip the order. And if someone's listening and they're like, okay, how do I do this? Or that feels too overwhelming to do on my own. I have a free exercise that I offer. If folks want to go to uh, visiongenerator.com, you can download the exercise that I actually do with my clients as soon as we start working together. And that will help you start to define success for yourself and get clear on what's important so that before you leave, if you get plugged into these, this sense that, you know, how you want to feel and be, what you'll start to realize is actually there's infinite ways for me to satisfy that. Even now, even at this job that I think is completely wrong for me. Like if I want to feel more creative, well, I actually have many ways I could get creative. I could hold a brainstorm for this challenge that I've really been thinking about. I could design my presentations more interestingly. I could choose a more fun outfit to wear to work. I could cook some recipes that you know really inspire me. So we can be how we wanna be at work or outside of work. Like that's the goal is that state of being, right? So yeah, once, once you get clear on that, things start to open up and shift and you might realize that there's possibilities where you are right now that you didn't see before. I love it. I especially love the part of like what emotions and what is it that's important for you instead of thinking about like, I want this much money, so much vacation. Because, you know, I think it was Daniel Kahneman and someone else did the study as well about like, uh, do you get happier for more money? And once you get to a certain stage, which is more like financial stability or security, you don't really get much happier. Um, you actually often have a higher amount of stress. Of course, there are outliers. So there are some that are in all stages of the different salaries, like much happier and much more sad. But the average person does not get that much more happy from the from making more money. Exactly. So once you reach a certain point, it's like diminishing returns on yeah. on what money can get you. And so oftentimes what I hear when people want more money, there's actually another story to it. So like I had a client who said, I just, you know, I've been striving for this promotion. I've been doing everything. I just want this promotion. So I said, okay, well, why don't we visualize you're getting the amount of money you've been asking for? And so she did. And I was like, okay, so check in. Does that seem to remedy 
you know, your angst? And she said, no, she's like, what? And I was like, well, what would make you feel better? And I was like, when, and she said, well, actually, if my boss stopped comparing me to my other colleague and actually recognized all the work I was doing, that would make me feel better. So oftentimes what we're asking for, whether it's money or promotion, which are usually the go-to, there's something else that really needs to be provided. And the good news is that something else is usually easier <laughs> to get, right? So she had a conversation with her boss that was actually quite direct. And that ended up supporting her a lot more. I mean, of course, money, you, you need to be fit, paid fairly and, and money is important. Absolutely, money is great. But we just want to make sure that if there's something else to the story that you're getting your needs met. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. What are some other tools that you use to help people like live that life on their terms, the life that makes them happy and excited? So they're waking up in the morning if they didn't have a four-month-old that was like crying all night. <laughs> so, but if they had proper sleep and they woke up, yes, today is an amazing day. I was just thinking I was a little grumpy before I had this interview with you because I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm sleep deprived. So I was like, okay, what can I do to get myself in the zone? And so just, you know, my go-tos are just some deep breathing, right? To calm the nervous system. I, I also love a good loving kindness meditation, which is for, for list, I mean, I'm sure your listeners, many of them are aware, but a loving kindness meditation is just, it's a Buddhist practice and it's simply, and it's not a religious practice, but it's just a simple wishing others well. So you can close your eyes and maybe imagine someone who you love with total ease, right? So maybe it's a child, maybe it's a pet. So you Imagine them in front of you, maybe you hug them and you say, may you be healthy, may you be happy, may you be peaceful, may you be safe. And you imagine them receiving your well wishes. And then I like to imagine them then saying that back to me. So them wishing the same to me. So may you be healthy, May you be happy, may you be safe, may you be peaceful. And so you really allow yourself to receive that. And you can also wish it to yourself directly. And so you do this for a few people. I also like to include people that I'm having some friction with because that helps soften things. And that's a meditation I like to go to when I have a tr trouble just like focusing on my breath, right? So because it, it almost... It engages you, but at the same time, it has all these wonderful benefits and improving your compassion, right? Improving your general life satisfaction. So, so many great researched benefits as well. So, which Buddhists have known for a very long time, but now science is like, yes, that does do you some good. It's so funny I how, uh, uh -huh. now I was praising that this is very science-based, positive psychology and so on. I appreciate that, but it, I also very much appreciate when I, talk myself about different things like the mix of the double-blinded studies and then ancestral wisdom right and that we shouldn't just because we don't have double-blinded studies we haven't found the right way to measure it it's not the same thing as ancestral wisdom has been done for thousands of years not extremely helpful yeah. um, so 
it's testing it out and see how it feels yourself for yourself. And then take the practices. I like to look at practices from ancestral wisdom. And then do we have something like positive psychology that we've tested with a bunch of people? But we also know that most of those tests are being done with university students uh, that are studying psychology, a lot of studies at least. So there's a bias as well in like, who are you actually doing these tests on? Um, but it is amazing, like that great, like meditation, which has been known for so long. And now we've been able to show which studies that is super effective, that it makes people feel better. I had a guest last week as well that also told about that meditation because it is so powerful. It's so powerful because ultimately the, what it, the reason why I encourage all my clients to do it is because we need to slow down our thoughts so that we can choose them more wisely, right? It's like you are, if you imagine yourself as the director of a camera, right? And you're filming a story, you get to decide where you point that camera. And so you can, in the middle of a park, choose to focus on a baby, popping bubbles, giggling, right? And you're telling a story of innocence and renewal, right, of hope. Or you could point the camera at the trash falling out, blowing in the wind, and that's like the end of the world and climate change, and there is no hope, right? So both stories are valid, but we can where we direct our attention is really going to be the reality we end up experiencing. And so meditation allows us to slow down so that we're actually choosing the reality we want to cultivate for ourselves. And we're choosing our thoughts more consciously. We're making decisions more consciously. Otherwise, if we're just giving into what's automatic mm. for us, that usually doesn't enable, that doesn't usually support our flourishing. It helps us survive, but it doesn't really support our flourishing. Today, where there's so much anxiety and, and worry, that can really monopolize our experience if we don't try to regulate ourselves. What are some other practices that the listeners can do to kind of stay in, especially in these times that are, very special for all of us being locked in and so on. And hopefully we won't be locked in again, but let's see what happens, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard right now, right? So everyone knows about gratitude. So write down three things you're grateful for. But what I find is when it feels hard to do gratitude, right? You can always start with at least. So if you have a hard time saying, I'm grateful for this, we can say, well, at least I have food in the fridge, or at least I have internet, mm -hmm. at least the water is running, at least they're still taking out the trash, right? So go with the at least, start there. Or when you someone asks you how you're doing, you can start with, well, fortunately, I am healthy. So you can launch into what's wrong later. But if you start with fortunately I am, it really changes the trajectory of the conversation. And so there's these like little reframes I like to do. For example, when I wake up in the morning and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so tired, right? Because that happens a lot now. Or my six-year-old is 
starts the day off with, um, you know, whining about something and getting ready for camp is really hard. I don't know. So I'm just, it's a crazy morning and I'll be like, okay, well, I wonder how this day is going to delight me. Right. So I might be in, in a hard place, but I'll leave a little bit of, I'll crack the window. I'll leave a little bit of fresh air, just a a sense of possibility that it can change. So I'll tell myself whenever I feel like this is going to suck, I'll tell myself, well, I wonder how I'll be surprised, right? So if you find yourself dreading a situation, you can be like, well, how might I be surprised? How might, you know, be curious about how it might be different, right? If you find yourself starting to complain, you can start to say, well, fortunately, here's what's going well. If you find yourself like feeling a sense of obligation, like, oh, I have to homeschool my children or, oh, I have to take out the garbage again or, oh, I have to wash these dishes because I'm working from home again. You know, if if you have that sense of obligation, you can say, well, I get to, right? So just reframing that I have to, to, and I get to, and I get to wash the dishes because I have food and I can eat at home or I have to take out the garbage again, which, which was great because sanitation is still working or, So I get to, that kind of lightens, that creates a little bit of lightness. The other thing I tell people to do, especially when it feels overwhelming, especially for people who have a lot on their plate, is to just take a a moment when you're closing your day, whether it's at your desk or before you even go to bed, to take stock of your small wins And what I find, especially overachievers, they're very clear on what has to be done, but they're not always giving themselves credit for what they're doing. And right now, to really bolster our resilience, to bolster our sense of our sense of control when things feel so out of control, by taking stock of your small wins, you're reminding yourself that you are shaping your reality, that you are contributing to your experience, right? So if you know that it's important for you to feel vital and energized, what did you do today to support that? Maybe you didn't go for your run, right? Maybe you ended up eating sugar or you, you skipped your meditation, but you know what? You did take a little nap and that did support you and some restoration. So I did that, or I did shower today. You know, like that was a win. I did talk to a friend and that actually rejuvenated me and reminded me of who I am. So just taking stock of our small wins helps us feel a little bit more in the driver's seat. And right now, when everything is so out of control, we have to revel and remind ourselves of the points where we do have agency so that we can reinforce that, you know, we are a participant in our lives, not just, you know, a victim of our circumstances. That makes sense. What's your best tip for uh, not having had a lot of sleep and good (laughs) day? Because I know there's a lot of parents out there listening as well. That's in the same situation with small kids. Oh my God. I could use some tips. Let me see. What am I doing? Well, 
to try to get the sleep when you can. I mean, there's nothing that really replaces that. So I can tell when I'm done. Like I can tell when I'm getting cranky or I'm irritable or I'm not able to get things done in a way that feels right. If I can put myself to bed, then I have to prioritize that over anything else. So even if it's just 20 minutes or 15 minutes, right? And I'm sure you have a podcast on that somewhere about sleep. I feel like I saw one on, on sleep on, on your list. So there's nothing that really, that's so important. I haven't done, I've done this before, but not since having a baby. The, is it called yoga nidra? Is that the restorative yoga that puts you, it's like, like if you do a little, yeah, it puts you in this really deep, relaxed state, which kind of is like worth like four hours of sleep that you get like in a, in a 20 or 40 minute meditation. So that might be nice. I haven't tried that. So thank you for asking. Maybe I will use that tip myself. But I do try to stay present because when I'm underslept, I become grumpy. Like my husband is not grumpy when he's underslept. He's still love, lovely somehow. I am not. So, so I will try to remind myself that I am safe and that I try to stay present and look into my baby's eyes and relish in that. So, and I, I, everything that I just said, like I, I try to recount my small wins because I'm not as productive as I normally am. I try to have greater self-compassion and say, Stella, this is a lot like you, you know, I, I do a lot of self-talk to be like, of course, this is hard. I, I keep reminding myself, like, this is also not permanent, right? This is not. So I kind of do Martin Seligman's tool around learned optimism. And so if ever you're feeling like, oh my God, no matter what I try, like I'm stuck, right? That's learned helplessness. That's that feeling of powerlessness. So, oh my God, like I'm never going to sleep again could be something that I'm, that we're all, that we're feeling. And so learned optimism is, you can remember it as the three P's, like this isn't permanent. Also, this isn't personal. Like, it's not like there's something wrong with me. I'm okay. Like, this is just the situation that we're in. And then this isn't pervasive, meaning like you try to contain that, okay, I'm not getting sleep and, and maybe I'm not as productive, but I'm still a great mom and I still have other things to look forward to. And I'm still doing well in these other areas, right? So I do a lot of that self-talk. And, and so it's a lot of self-regulation to, to just keep myself calm is, is that's what I'm working on right now. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Definitely something to use. Still, uh, where can people find out more about you? If people like, this sounds interesting, I want to learn something more. So the thing, the main thing that I offer 
folks, in addition to coaching, is they can always check out my program, The Work Happiness Method. And that's really designed to help people get unstuck, right? To help them if they are on the verge, uh, of, if they, they know that there's something more, but they don't know what that is, that will help them get clear. If they want to just like wake up excited for the day and have a path towards that. They can go to workhappinessmethod.com and check that out. And that's a way we could potentially work together or they can download the vision generator as a free tool that will also get you um, into our start. I'll start sending you some emails and you can always reply to any email I send you. I check all my emails. It's still me. And, or they can just email me Stella at whoopa.com. That's W O O P A A H.com. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Great. Always end up asking, but we got very close to many of that. If you had to give one to three advice on how to live a happy, healthy, and meaningful life. I think this episode was very much about that as well. Sorry. Can you say that one more time? Yeah. So I always end up asking if you have to give one to three advice on how to live a happy, healthy, and meaningful life, like super short uh, summing up. I think you said several tools today already. I did say a lot, but I think I would just be present to the love that is around you. That is beautiful. I think that's something that we can all benefit a lot from from actually doing because often we're in such a rush as we talked about earlier. Yeah. And I think if anything, this pandemic has taught us, it's just how much people matter to us. And, you know, there's so much, again, we know this in our bones, but now we also have research that shows that, you know, love experiencing love is a new, it's like a nutrient to our body and, social isolation as we've seen and feeling lonely is devastating and can actually shorten our lives. So we need to connect and plug in and feel that love. Yeah. However we can get it. I think that's a good ending. Thank you so much for your time, Stella. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.